Amen. Well, good morning to each and every one of you. Happy New Year to you. It is good to see you here at uh, Maple Park Church this morning. I'm Pastor Adam, and uh, what a joy it is to be gathered here together uh, with God's people in God's church. Uh, how good it is to know that we uh, can share in friendships uh, with one another. Uh, but we have a friend in Jesus, and he is such a good friend uh, to each and every one of us. So I was uh, studying uh, for this sermon this uh, Sunday, for this uh, uh, sermon today, and a big theme of the sermon is about God's, God being a friend to us. Um, I wondered, because I've heard some in the news about the issue of loneliness in our world. And how many people feel and sense loneliness. And I have a, a, from a major news source of a paragraph here on a slide, I believe. Alyssa, we have that paragraph? <clears throat> Statistics on loneliness. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, the survey uh, found, uh, this is from uh, uh, Gallup survey. The survey found that the rates of loneliness were highest in young adults with 27% of adults between ages 19 uh, to 29 reporting feeling very or fairly lonely. The lowest rates were found in older adult, adults. Only 17% of people age 65 and older reported feeling lonely. That was kind of surprising to me. Uh, but I think we have a ministry here as a congregation uh, to all ages. Uh, that there are many people within our world that feel lonely today. But as we read our, our lessons for this Sunday, I want us to see um, how God is a friend to us, how God is present in darkness, uh, how God uh, is present uh, with people who had never heard of, of Jesus Christ and how he comes near to them and then how Jesus has come near to us in our gospel lesson. So Genesis chapter 1 is our first lesson. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So even before we showed up on the scene, there the Spirit of God was. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And the second lesson uh, for this Sunday is taken from Acts chapter 19, 1 through 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. And then today's gospel lesson is taken from the first chapter of St. Mark's Gospel. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching 
a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So you could say that there's a bit of a, of a uh, pandemic of loneliness within our country. Many people feel feeling lonely. Young people, surprisingly, are the loneliest among us. Maybe that has to do with social media and this, this idea that, that I am connected with people through electronic means rather than having a relationship with people that's face-to-face. And I believe that we as a church can introduce people. That's what we're called to do. We are called to introduce people to Jesus who is a friend of sinners. And the point of today's sermon is this, because Jesus is a friend of sinners, we walk in the light of his Holy Spirit. We're never alone. The Spirit of God is in us, and he's working through us. So we're never alone, and it's really the Holy Spirit who draws us together in fellowship with each other. So I have for us four points today. Would you put the the main points up on the screen for us, Alyssa? God is a friend of sinners. He is a friend of sinners. Friendship with God is to have his Holy Spirit to shine on us. And friendship with God is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And friendship with God is to live in the light of the cross. Leave those four points up there during the whole sermon today, just as a point of reference for us as we go through. So point number one, God is a friend of sinners. Throughout the whole Bible, we learn that God is a friend of sinners. He drew near to Adam and Eve after they rebelled against him. When Adam and Eve made the choice to rebel against God, what does God do? He enters into the garden. He walks in the garden. He looks for Adam and Eve. And he provided for Adam and Eve what they needed in their shame. He provided skins to clothe them. You see, God is a friend of sinners. He drew near to to characters throughout the scriptures which had major flaws. Oftentimes, when we're taught about uh, the, the heroes of the faith in Sunday school, we assume as if these men and women had no sin. But when you really read the Bible, you learn that all of the heroes of the faith, the men and women throughout the scripture, they have major flaws, but God continues to draw near to them in friendship. The nation of Israel, 
through the, the narrative of the Old Testament, continually disobeyed, rebelled, they worshiped idols. But what does God do? God continues to pursue them. He is a friend of sinners. Now let me tell you this. God is not a friend of sin. He is not a friend of sin. But he is a friend of sinners. Today he is your friend. He's called you to himself. So God continually reached out throughout the whole Bible. Then in Christ Jesus, when God took on human flesh in Jesus Christ, he reached out to sinners. Many rejected his friendship. Throughout all of human history, people have rejected his friendship. They will not receive his friendship. That's a choice you have. You are free to reject. He isn't going to force his friendship upon you. You can say no to him. And he honors that. In John chapter 3, we read, this is the verdict, light has come into the world. Well, what does uh, the author of the John's Gospel say? What does uh, the Apostle John say? But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Then he says in verse 20, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So God has shown his love, his friendship for sinners throughout the whole Bible. The entire Old Testament history is God befriending sinners. Then Jesus, his life, demonstrates that he is a friend of sinners. So number one, God is a friend of sinners. Number two, friendship with God is to have his Holy Spirit shine on us. This can be uncomfortable. What does light expose? It exposes all sorts of things that we don't want to see. Now, I remember as a kid, we had one of those big TV sets, like a wooden TV set. And it would sit on the floor. I think I helped my dad move it a couple of times. The thing weighed a ton. And you know how it is here in the Pacific Northwest. We go for about nine months and we don't see very much sunshine. And then one spring evening, the sun comes up, it shines through our, our living room window, and it hits that, that TV screen. And what does it reveal? Dust. I remember, I, I can picture my mom doing this. She would, she would see the light shining on the TV screen. She would jump up and she would say, look how dirty that screen is. She'd run and get a bottle of Windex and paper towels or whatever, and she'd clean off the screen. Light reveals filth. So it can be very uncomfortable for us to have the Holy Spirit shine on us. Because when the Holy Spirit shines on us, he will reveal our sinfulness. But when the Holy Spirit shines on us, he reveals our sinfulness. But he doesn't leave us in the filth of our sin. 
Ultimately, he leads us to Jesus, and it's in Jesus that we receive cleansing. The cleansing of our sins. So the Holy Spirit called John the Baptist to preach. The Holy Spirit drew people out into the wilderness to listen to John's preaching. Through John's preaching, the Holy Spirit shined upon their sinful hearts. And the people longed to repent and to be baptized so that they could be cleansed of their sins. What a gift. Repentance and baptism. Both of them are powerful. Both of them prove that God is a friend of sinners. The Bible speaks of repentance as a gift. He is granting you repentance today. To repent is simply to return to the Lord. Knowing that you're going in the wrong direction and then to repent is to return to Him. And you return to Him, He says, I forgive you. I have provided a means through which you can be cleansed of all of your sins. You can go to the cross and at the cross you can be make, made clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. So friendship with God is the Holy Spirit shining on my sinful heart, revealing my need for forgiveness. And friendship with God is receiving the cleansing of sins by His grace. You know why people have been coming to Maple Park Church? Because the Holy Spirit's drawing them. And the Holy Spirit's doing a work. This work of shining on people's hearts and ultimately leading them to Jesus to receive the cleansing that he offers. Much like that preacher, John the Baptist, man, what kind of guy was he to, to see him, to actually go in a time machine and go back in time to see this guy who wore camel's hair, leather belt around his waist, and what did he eat? Locust, bugs, and wild honey. So with honey and locust breath, he preached. And people were drawn to him. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was working, right? And they longed to hear his message. And they longed to repent and to receive the cleansing of his baptism. You see, John, John didn't come as the light. Ultimately, he came to point people to the true light that gives light to everyone. The Holy Spirit was the one who, or, or John through his preaching, the, through, uh, the Holy Spirit through John's preaching led people ultimately to Jesus. You see, John said, I baptize you with water. But he, that is Jesus, will baptize you with water. What? The Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit is the one who has come to shine upon us, to dwell in us, and to shine through us. So, point number one, God is a friend of sinners. Friendship with God is to have His Spirit shine on us, and friendship with God is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Our baptism in the Holy Spirit comes through the powerful means of grace. God's grace then comes to us 
through the power of his word and his sacraments. So the way we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is through the means of grace, that is, his word. So we do not speak of the work of the Holy Spirit apart from the work of his word. Where his word is proclaimed, there the Holy Spirit is working in men and women's hearts in power. Unlike other theologies, we connect the baptism of the Holy Spirit to the means of grace. That is the work of his word and sacraments. Properly speaking, the means of grace, the primary means of grace is the word of God. The word of God. And, and without the word of God, baptism, without the word of God, holy communion would, would accomplish nothing for us. Apart from the word of God, all baptism is as water. Apart from the word of God, all communion is is, is bread and, and wine. But when these ordinary things of water and bread and wine are connected to the Word of God, they become for us a powerful means of grace, something through which the Holy Spirit works in us to confirm our forgiveness, to confirm our cleansing, to give us confidence to walk out of here knowing that Jesus' body was broken upon the cross, that his blood was shed for us. You see, the means of grace... The sacraments, they make visible for us God's invisible grace. Sometimes you just have to take it and, and feel it. Put it in your mouth and taste it. To know that his grace is real for you. That his body was broken. That his blood was shed. For us it's a powerful work of the Holy Spirit. It fills us. It empowers us. It gives us what we need to walk through the difficult things that we have to walk through in life. And I know that many of you are walking through difficult times right now. Sickness. Loved ones that you're concerned for. Struggles at work. Struggles in your family. We need the power of his Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with his Spirit. So to be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with the Word of God. And the sacraments simply make the truth of God's Word visible to us and they became, become a powerful work of the Spirit in our lives. So friendship with God is not only God's affection towards you, but he also gives himself to you. And that's what the sacraments are. Him giving himself to you. Every time you wash your face, you can remember, I've been baptized. Many of us as Lutherans, you, you don't remember your baptism. You were baptized as a child. And the reason that you were baptized as a child is because we believe that God's grace is for babies too. His grace is for babies. But you can remember every time you take a shower, every time you wash your face, I have been baptized. 
I have been baptized. Uh, when you come to this altar on a weekly basis, you can know that the cross is for you. So there is no power in the Spirit apart from the Word of God. The Bible is more than an intellectual curiosity. Theology is more than an academic interest. The Word of God is the power of God at work in us and through us. John said, I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What does it look like when we live a Holy Spirit-empowered life? Does being baptized in the Holy Spirit mean that we run around the sanctuary? Hang from chandeliers? No. Simply means that we're filled with Him and that we are filled with His love. Means that we're filled with His joy. We're filled with His peace. Means that we are people of patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, temperance. Be filled with the Holy Spirit is to have the fruit of the Spirit made evident in our lives. Are you a person of love? A person of joy? A person of peace? The evidence of the Holy Spirit is so much more powerful than an emotional experience. The power of the Holy Spirit is made evident in the way that we live our lives, proving that he is at work within us. So God is a friend of sinners. He's so much a friend of sinners that he doesn't want us to stay in the muck of our fallen world. He cleanses us of sins. He fills us with his spirit. He gives us a new way of living. He takes us out of the darkness, into the light of his truth and of his life. Feel like you're living in the muck today? Feel like you're living in the muck of life right now? He's your friend. He desires to pull you out. How is all of this possible? How is it that we can be cleansed of sin and filled with the Holy Spirit? What has opened the door for us to receive this amazing friendship with God? It is only because of Jesus. Only because of Jesus. One of the amazing things that, we, that, that our reading from Mark 1 records is Jesus' baptism. So I asked this question, why was Jesus baptized? What do you think? Why was he baptized? What was uh, John's baptism all about? It was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Why was Jesus baptized? What do we confess about Jesus? Was Jesus a sinner? No. Did Jesus need to repent? No. Did Jesus need the forgiveness of sins? No. Then why was Jesus baptized? What is the reason for Jesus' baptism? The short answer is this. He was baptized to demonstrate his solidarity with sinful humanity. He wasn't baptized because he was a sinner in need of the gift of repentance and forgiveness. He was baptized to demonstrate that he is with us and that he is for us. 
that he is not against us. So Jesus shared with us in a sinner's baptism to show and to demonstrate his friendship with sinners. He entered into the muddy waters of the Jordan River to say, I am your friend. And I have come to accomplish for you what you can never accomplish on your own. Jesus stands shoulder to shoulder with you. He truly is a friend. He's with you today, and he promises to never leave you or forsake you. It also pointed forward to another baptism. It pointed forward to Jesus' baptism in blood. The cross is the ultimate sign of God's friendship with sinful humanity. Did you know that as Jesus hung upon the cross, he stood shoulder to shoulder with you? He stood shoulder to shoulder with sinful humanity? Point number four, friendship with God is to live in the light of the cross. But when you look at the cross, you know that God truly is a friend of sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. The cross proves that God is not a friend of sin. He is not a friend of sin. He went to the cross to crush the power of sin. But the cross proves that he is a friend of sinners. The ultimate friend. And today as we prepare our hearts to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, like for us to hear once again the account of the Lord's suffering and death for us. Hear this afresh and anew. See within this account the friendship of God toward you. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals. He hung there with criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. Soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today 
you will be with me in paradise. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, at that moment, Jesus had absorbed your sin, my sin, and the sin of humanity. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a friend of sinners, that you shine your light in the darkness. In the darkness of creation, your spirit was there. Your spirit's been there since we arrived on the scene. And throughout the whole testament, we see how you have pursued sinners like us. Lord, when you came, you demonstrated your solidarity, your friendship with sinners by entering into the waters of the, of the Jordan River to receive a sinner's baptism, proving that you're our friend. And ultimately, Lord, by your death, your suffering, you have said, I am your friend. I love you. I'm with you. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Help us to live in the light of the cross because at the cross we find our way. At the cross we find a friendship like no other friendship. So Heavenly Father, help us to live with you, to live in you, that your spirit would shine in us and through us, that we would be the people that you've called us to be. Church, today I just invite you to begin to prepare your hearts to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. How is a person prepared to receive this sacrament? A person is prepared, not because they are super spiritual and they've got their life together. A person is prepared when they recognize by the Holy Spirit that they are desperately in need of God's grace. You recognize today that you need his grace, that you need his mercy, that you need his, his forgiveness. If you recognize your, your bankruptcy spiritually, you're prepared to receive. So go before the Lord today. Do business with God. Say, Lord, here I am. Thank you for your grace. Let this time of silence also be a time to confess your sin knowing that if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to purify you of all unrighteousness. <laughs> 